Garbage into Gold, a Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Make sure to check them out online at phlsportsnation.com and follow the Sixers branch of Philadelphia Sports Nation on Twitter at phl. Sixers Nation. Uh, if you're not already doing so, please hit the subscribe button or the follow button uh, here for Garbage Into Gold, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, give us a review if you enjoy what you're hearing. And uh, we appreciate all of our listeners' support to this point. Uh, listen up, fellas. 2020 has sucked. Let's be real. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. If you let yourself go during the 2020 season while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks, to your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow that you need in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there this new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, don't forget the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. All great items from our friends at manscaped and you can get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code phl at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code phl happy new year to you and of course your balls all right everyone so in this episode we will discuss the sixers road back to back that resulted in a nice win against the knicks in new york and uh, Joel Embiid was out with back tightness against the Cavaliers on Sunday night, and it turned into just an absolutely ugly game reminiscent of the 2019-2020 Road Sixers. So we'll talk about both games and a little of the stuff that's going on around the league early on in the season. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Garbage Into Gold. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Garbage Into Gold, a Sixers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, and I am trying to keep high energy for this podcast after a really difficult-to-watch Sixers game that was reminiscent of the 2019-20 Road Sixers, and I'm joined by my co-host, who fought off sleep for the final six minutes of the game to join me here on this here podcast. Mr. Jesse Larch. Jesse, welcome to the pod, and thanks for making it through that tough, tough game and, and really tough Eagles game to, to talk some Sixers basketball tonight. Yeah, I mean, they really didn't make it easy. Um, not much to be inspired by. And not much to really keep you on the edge of your seat there, especially um, I think it was like I was excited to see some Isaiah Joe and I saw the 
the end of the bench guys get up. I was like, all right, well, at least I can watch this. And then next thing I know, it was like the end of the game graphic going across my screen. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't. I don't remember dozing off, but here we are. I couldn't if you if I honestly had been a first time viewer of Sixers basketball, I don't think I would have been able to tell who was the starters between the last five minutes and the first five minutes. Like that's how bad it looked. I feel like it was it was not uh, it was not it was not pretty. But um, before we talk about the depressing Cavs game. Uh, they did win against the Knicks, but this is our first pod post Christmas. So, did you have a good Christmas? Get any good gifts? Um, I mean, a lot of people bought me some Captain Morgan. So can't go wrong with that. Well, uh, uh, a lot of rum and cokes were consumed over the last day or two. Um, that may that may have contributed to me falling asleep a little bit during the last six minutes. There, I mean, I had. I had one or two drinks earlier, like towards the end of the Eagles game. So that, you know, I don't know how you are when you drink, but, you know, if I only have like one or two drinks, it tends to put me to sleep. Whereas if I'm drinking, I can like just keep drinking and stay up all night. But if I'm only having one, it's like, okay, this is like, might as well be some NyQuil for me. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's good. Captain Morgan for, for the holidays. That sounds like good gifts. Um, yeah, three different, three different people bought me bottles of Captain Morgan. So I guess that's a lot about me. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what you, uh, other than sports, what you enjoy partaking in. So now I know, and I will keep that in mind for future birthdays and holidays to come. The, uh, we we did the we tried to do like the typical uh Jewish couple on on Christmas thing which is Chinese and a movie couldn't go to a movie yes um but got some delicious chinese food from a really good chinese place down the street from us called Orient Express it's like a hibachi japanese chinese place that's like half in a train car it's pretty neat um, and they have really good food there. So we did that, and we watched A Christmas Story and Wonder Woman, which was very, very disappointing after a lot of buildup for that. So just typical so DC Comics movie. Goonies was on earlier tonight, and this is going to relate to a comic book, but um, <laughs> Goonies was on earlier tonight, and I was just sitting there looking at, like, 16-year-old Josh Brolin being like, that guy becomes Thanos. And it just, it, I couldn't see it. Yeah. Um, when I saw him for the first time, I had no idea what he looked like, and it was not exactly what I thought that he would look like, but I feel like he, his voice, I don't know. I'm still, the jury's still out on whether I think his voice actually, like, matches, matches what he looks like. Um, I think it does. It doesn't match his height, but it matches his overall, like, general appearance, I think. Um, I don't know if you watched Deadpool 2, but I he's did, very yeah. good as Cable. He's, he's very good as Cable, yeah. I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, big fan of the Deadpool franchise. Big fan. 
Um, so yeah, that sounds good. It sounds like at least the last few days were relaxing. Um, Sixers, Sixers, uh, their first road trip of the season started in New York, 109-89 win over the Knicks. I think it was close for like a quarter and a half, uh, but it it just seems like one of those games that the Sixers were going to win from the start. Kind of a complete opposite of what opening night was, which was very sloppy on both ends. The the bench kind of was the star aside from Joel Embiid against the Wizards on opening night, but really the starters looked to feel a lot more comfortable with each other, uh, scoring 82 of the Sixers' 109 points. You know, the the guy that has, has really powered the Sixers to their two wins in three games to start the season has been Joel Embiid. You know, after scoring 15 points to really lead them in the fourth quarter to win their season opener, he comes back and scores 27 points, grabs 10 rebounds, and turns the ball over only one time uh, against the Knicks. He just really seemed to be confident in his jumper. He seemed confident posting up. He seemed confident in shooting threes. Uh, I mean, he just all around looked good. Uh, fitness looked good. And even though he was out against the Cavs with... Uh, quote-unquote, back tightness. I think it's pretty much just load management um, terminology these days. But through the first two games, I know it's a 72-game season, but what have your impressions been from Embiid through those first two games? Better than you thought he'd come out? Worse than he'd come out? Or or about where where you thought? Uh, I would say, like, meeting expectations. I haven't been blown away by him i mean he's putting up great numbers obviously but he's i don't know if some like for the last year or two like year and a half his stat lines have felt like quietly putting up good stat lines not like he's influencing the game just for me um but obviously like he is still a top three center in the league top two arguably I don't know who would really be the other guy in that argument. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not upset with how he's playing. I don't think he really needs to do more. I think if the pieces around him do what they're expected to, this team will be fine. I Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much more to say about it. Like, I think he's just, he's doing what, he's, what we expect him to do. I, 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 you know, we can't be upset with the way Embiid's playing so far. Yeah, I I think that he's just making better decisions overall, and I think that's a result, a direct result of the players that are around him. Uh, Curry, even Tobias, uh, Danny Green, and even in those small ball lineups where, not small ball, but where he has four shooters around him, where it was him, Korkmaz, Maxi, Milton, and Mike Scott. Like It really uh, gives him the opportunity to uh, not only post up, but be able to quickly pass out of double teams. Um, and uh, j- just looking at what Doc Rivers is saying post-Cleveland game is that Embiid was out warming up and just felt like his back was a little tight, so they figured why chance it. It makes sense. So may not be, may not have been like a planned rest day. It looks like he was planning to play, um, but we know how the Sixers look <laughs> after uh, they find out that Joel Embiid is not playing five minutes before the game actually starts. But anyway, we're still talking about the Knicks. I, I agree with what you said. I think 
He's uh, exceeded my expectations a little bit so far. He, his fitness looks really good, and he looks engaged on both sides of the ball. At least he did uh, against the Knicks. So um, aside from Embiid, you, uh, Tobias Harris had a really rough uh, season opener. Uh, re- bounced back 17 points, 7 for 14 from the floor, 2 for 5 from 3. He was a plus 32, looked Looked better overall uh, with his stout line. I, I thought his dis- slow decision-making and hesitancy was was still there. Um, we'll talk about Tobias a little bit more when we talk about the Cavs game. 17 points from uh, Seth Curry. And it seems really to me that I'm at least, I, di- I mean, I didn't know much of his game going into the season. I just figured that he'd be pretty similar to JJ. And I knew that he wasn't as fast as JJ Redick and because JJ Redick moved around so much. Um, so I, I wasn't really sure what to expect from his game and I still don't really, but it seems like his offense will probably come and go. Uh, but his threat to shoot, uh, really just draws defenders on its own. And it was nice to see that he could fill up the stat sheet from, from three point range. Um, I can't I can't recall how he did tonight against uh, the Cavs, but again the f- starting lineup didn't look great. Uh, ben Simmons against the Knicks, 15 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Went to the line eight times, which is about as many times uh, as we would like him to. Uh, now, again, we're going to talk about the Cleveland game, but game two, I feel like you and I both agreed in the opener that the Sixers starting lineup just looks out of sorts, especially to start the game. Um, so after a clunky start to the opener against the Wizards, what were your impressions on how you think the starters looked against uh, the Knicks? Um, I mean, a little better. I think it's just going to be a work in progress. I think that's where we're at right now. Like, you know, a bunch of guys that just got in a gym together like a few weeks ago. They didn't really have a full offseason program. A lot of guys that haven't played together before. So, you know, and learning a new system at the same time. So I think I think this team is still a contender. Um, I'm not ready to pull the plug on them by any means. I mean, I think you'd have to be like a very fickle person to be quitting on the team after three games. But yeah, I, I think they just, they need some time to gel and get used to playing with each other and get used to what Doc wants to run on offense. Um, you know, I, I'm not anywhere near pushing the panic button yet. Yeah, no, me either. Uh, I think Danny Green has gotten a little bit better each game. He has some uh, little gaffes that I've noticed, but he's a late report to camp since the trade couldn't go through until the 8th of December. And, you know, it's, it's been three weeks since he reported to camp. So he's a little, a little behind the curve. Uh, the bench, not necessarily as good. They got 10 points from Shake Milton, Against the Knicks, 9.6 boards, another solid night from Dwight Howard. Uh, but altogether, Mike Scott, Shake Milton, and Furkan Korkmaz were a combined 2 of 12 from 3. Uh, after a strong opening night, Furkan Korkmaz just hasn't really looked great. Um, and former Sixers, uh, we got to see a couple of those against the Knicks. Alec Burks lighting up the score sheet with 22 points. I think he would have been uh, a guy that would have been nice off the Sixers bench, but obviously we see what Shake Milton is doing so far, so I'm okay with uh, them going in a different direction. And then Nerlens Noel, the guy that a lot of people, not including myself, uh, wanted 
back in a Sixers jersey this year, only four points, and he was bullied by Dwight and Embiid, non-surprisingly. I know you probably didn't look out for this uh, really much during the Knicks games, but you know, I, I guess I never saw much special in Nerlens. Like, I understood that he was a good rim defender, but I feel like unless he bulks, he, it looks like he hasn't gained a pound since he got in the NBA. And I was just like, I guess I still don't understand what's so special about him. I just don't. Yeah, He's just a lean, wiry build. Um, I mean, when the reports first came out that, like, Nerlens was coming back, I was for it just for him. You know, him and Embiid having a great relationship, and he is still a good rim protector, and he's a guy that can get out and transition and run the floor. So in those senses, I liked the idea of bringing him back. Now, if the report was worded as they're going to go for one of Dwight Howard or Nerlens Noel, I would have taken Dwight Howard 100 times out of 100 before even seeing him the way he's been the first three games. Um, just because that's a guy who I like earmarked when he was leaving Charlotte that I wanted him to be Embiid's backup. Right. So like that happening was like kind of something I've been eyeing up for a while and a guy that, I mean, I think we're seeing very good compliment to Embiid when Embiid takes his breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, as a backup, he he's he's been great. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how I how I feel about him now with Embiid out and him filling as a, in as a starter, uh, given it's only been one game. But uh, anything else on on the next Knicks win? Even though it was only like a day ago, I feel like it's hard to remember after what I just saw. No, uh, I mean now that you you expect him to go in and beat up on a team like the Knicks, even though. I mean, they didn't have Obi Toppin either, so I, I was looking forward to watching him play, but I, you know, obviously didn't get the chance. Yeah, Ben's um, defense was good. I think R.J. Barrett at one time was like 0 for 9 from the field or like 3 for 13 at one point. Uh, so it looked like Ben really got him shook. Yeah, I mean, I just think the Knicks are still really far away. Like, they should have beaten the way they did. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, Sixers get their first road win against the Knicks, 109-89, to and then turn around to lose 118-94 to to a now 3-0 and Cleveland Cavaliers team. Um, so this, uh, this is on a day, too. The Clippers lost to the Mavericks by 51 points. Did you see that halftime score? Yes, I was uh, 77 to 27. <laughs> yeah, I was I was glad I didn't tweet anything cuz I was like priming up a tweet that was going to be like well, Doc Rivers is looking at the comments they made about him and laughing and then he went around and lost by almost 30 to the Cavs tonight, so. Yeah. So, um they lose by 51 given the Mavericks are a good team. The Sixers lose by 24. And, and it was a Kawhi-less Clippers team. Yeah. But, you, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I just expected more out of Paul George, I guess. He, he seems like a type of player that should at least help his team not lose by 51. That's crazy. It's crazy to me. Um, but, yeah, the Bucks also lost to the Knicks by 20. 
And the Hornets at one point were up by 17 on Kyrie, KD, and the Nets. They only ended up winning by two, but a lot of the Eastern Conference powerhouses, per se, going down on uh, on Sunday night. Um, <clears throat> so as we mentioned before, Embiid was pulled early before the game uh, due to back tightness. Just an overall bad effort across the board. Sixers ended up with 20 turnovers through three quarters, 21 total, which led to 35 Cavaliers points. You even cut that in half and you probably win this game. Uh, Assists 31 to 24 in favor of Cleveland. The Sixers are normally known as the team that spreads the ball around. Uh, had some trouble doing that tonight. They were also outrounded, uh, out-rebounded by six and, and honestly just out-efforted, uh, outran by the, by the Cavaliers. Their defense just looked really bad. Um, we talked about Dwight Howard as Embiid's backup, but I, in the first game of him starting in place of Embiid, which will happen uh, more than a handful of times this season, uh, I, w- I was a little concerned as to ha- like if he's going to be disciplined enough to fill in for Embiid, and then I guess my my concerns were put to the test, and uh, it's something that concerns me because Dwight Howard's one of those guys where very solid player. If he comes off the bench and commits three, four fouls a game, that's fine, but if he's starting and has three or four fouls by halftime, which is what happened tonight, uh, that's going to become an issue because Tony Bradley isn't a guy that you can have out there uh, for extended minutes against good teams. So uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I know we're both big uh, fans of the Howard signing, and he's mostly looked good so far through the first two games. And this is only game three, uh, not overreacting or anything. But uh, what were your thoughts to to how he looked with the starters as compared to uh, the bench? I mean, I think you're spot on with what your concerns are because, like, again, I think back to when he was the last time he had a starting job and that was with Charlotte. Uh, every time he played the Sixers, it would just be Embiid putting him in foul trouble all night and taking him out of the game. Um, you know, he's a very physical player. He's still a great defender. He's still a great rebounder. He's still a very effective presence in the post on offense. But you know, that's part of his game where he can be tricked into fouls and he's going to play physical on defense is going to get some whistles for him. So as a starter, I think those days are over for him, but I still think he's a fantastic person to back up Joel Embiid. Um, I mean, unfortunately with Joel Embiid, like you're saying is the guy does miss time, you know, for rest or other reasons somewhat frequently. So you're going to need someone that can fill in. I mean, you would hope Embiid or Howard would play a little more, a little wiser knowing that, but I think the guy only knows one way to play. And, you know, I mean, if it's one game every couple of weeks, I'm not going to really be too upset about it. Um, but I do think what you're saying is, like, very valid. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, a, it's only one game, so I'm certainly not concerned about it long term unless Embiid gets hurt. Uh, then I will be a little bit more concerned about it. Um Tobias Harris, after scoring 17 points against the Knicks on Saturday, came out and looked fine, I guess. Uh, 16 points, 5 for 10 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. Altogether, I mean, it's honestly a line that I feel like I'd see from Robert Covington a couple years ago. 
Um, I still don't love what I'm seeing from him effort-wise, and his slow decision-making still really, really, really pisses me off. Like, I just don't know why you would pump fake an open three and then try to take a contested mid-range shot. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's a good stat line, and there are a lot of people that were pointing out how against the Knicks he was a plus 32. Um, But I feel like the eye test does more for Tobias Harris than his stat sheet does because even though that he looked better tonight, the fact that they were down they they were down by 14 at halftime like just i mean his effort wasn't enough so uh in 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 a year where you really need a bounce back year from tobias who honestly i don't think has looked very good since he's gotten to philadelphia it's nice to see him put up some stats but overall through the first three games i just there's nothing from him that makes me believe that i'm gonna see anything different like he He's been in the league so long. It's like you said about Dwight Howard. Now, uh, Tobias Harris isn't a 17-year veteran, but Tobias Harris has been long in the league long enough where you wonder if he can adjust some things to fit the team he's on or if he is who he is. So um, what, what, what are your takes on Tobias through the first three? I mean, I, I think he looks like he's really struggling to find his role with the players out there. Um, he doesn't know whether he's supposed to be spacing the floor or supposed to be playing his game. And I think the team will be better off if he just decides to play his game, which is, you know, I mean, it, he doesn't play fast, um, like you're saying. He likes to kind of navigate into his own space, you know, create his own shots, try to go baseline, get to the rim. You know, he's not a big fan of just taking, like, catch-and-shoot jumpers, which this offense and the way Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid play, that creates a lot of catch-and-shoot jumper opportunities that I don't think Tobias Harris necessarily is inclined to want to take. Um, I do think there's a role for him, but I think it's going to be on the coaching staff to kind of draw up some plays for him to get into his rhythm, and that just hasn't happened yet. I thought he shot the ball better tonight. But like you said, like they still lost by a substantial amount. So, you know, was was it him that was the failure tonight? Was it the rest of the team? I don't know. I thought the starting unit, um, really the whole team, but especially the starting unit, just looked really disorganized and really sloppy. And part of that could be, you know, again, the growing pains continuing to happen. Um, Cleveland playing a small lineup and playing as up-tempo as they did seemed to really give the Sixers some problems. So, you know, like I said, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, again, not not freaking out about this game. Definitely, you know, shows that the Sixers aren't perfect, but not enough for me to be like, this team's broken. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think this team showed they have, you know, they may have some issues taking on smaller guard-oriented lineups, <laughs> teams that play up-tempo like the Cavaliers did, and, the Cavaliers did a great job moving the ball tonight. So, you know, that's just – these are the things that, okay, now we saw we had a hard time dealing with it. Let's correct it so it doesn't happen again. Um, that's the thing that – one of the things that got Brett Brown on the hot seat here. Um, you would expect Doc Rivers with his reputation to be someone that doesn't let things like that happen. So we'll see what happens going forward. Yeah. Um, 
Mike Scott off the bench was the was the lone uh, guy that that really did anything off the bench, and I even thought that it was a little too much. Mike Scott, uh, he seems to be a, a staple in Doc Rivers' early season rotation, um, just because the depth at that position just doesn't seem great for the Sixers. Uh, 19 minutes, 12 points, four of eight from the floor. Uh, but unfortunately, due to Dwight Howard getting into foul trouble and Tony Bradley, uh, you know, not looking great, we saw some runs with Scott at the five, Ben Simmons at the five, and and against uh, Andre Drummond and and Jim, JaVale McGee. Like that's just not gonna that's not gonna work. I mean, rarely do you see uh, Andre Drummond with a plus 27, 24 points, 14 rebounds against the Sixers. Like uh, I was looking forward to Joel Embiid, Andre Drummond matchups like we have in the past where Embiid just gets in his head, but, but really uh, a Drummond looks to just, uh, he was just doing what he does best. Six offensive rebounds, eight defensive rebounds and just solid all around game. Uh, JaVale McGee, seven points, six rebounds in 16 minutes. And like I mentioned earlier, the Sixers out-rebounded by six on the game overall and just didn't look great effort-wise. Uh, Mike Scott in general, uh, he's really the only guy behind Tobias at that point, but do you feel like he just has like too big a role at this point? Um, I'm a little surprised at how much time he's getting because you can rotate like lineups with Maxi, Shake, and Ben out there and let Ben rotate into the four. Or you could just go small. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he's getting as much as he is right now because I don't think he's necessarily warranted it. Then again, there is that familiarity level because Mike Scott came over in the Tobias Harris trade, so he does know Doc Rivers from his time in L.A. So maybe it's just getting a veteran out there that knows the system. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's played necessarily poorly. He just... You know, he's not a great basketball player. He's If he's not hitting his shots, he's almost worthless. Um, I mean, and I love the guy. I love the character. But, you know, sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. Uh, aside from him, just not a good night for the Sixers bench. Shake Milton, six points on two for six shooting. Um, Furkan Korkmaz, one of eight from the floor, four points and minus 23. Missed all five of his three-point shots. Just... Just not great. Um, Matisse Thibault got eight minutes, no points, 0 for 1 from the floor, and uh, Tony Bradley, 17 minutes, 2 of 7 from the floor. Uh, we got to see some scrubs in uh, garbage time. Dakota Mathias, uh, one of the Sixers' two-way guys, scored eight points on three of six shooting in seven minutes of action. He looked very trigger-happy and confident, so excited to see him with the blue coats, Tyrese Maxey, 22 minutes, scored six points, uh, only one assist and a steal, had a turnover as well. Um, he's just uh, he's he's going to get consistent run for Doc Rivers, and again, even on nights like against Cleveland when he doesn't look super great, that explosiveness to the rim is just very impressive for for a guy of his size. And I, th we talked about it after the opener, but it just seems like he's a guy that belongs and he's only going to get better uh, for the Sixers. All right, before we move on, why don't we take a quick break to talk about anchor? I guess we can talk about Ben Simmons next. He had a good game against the Knicks, went to the line eight times, 
Uh, tonight he did go to the line seven times, hit five of that, but that was really the only good thing that he did. He finished with six points, six re- 15 points, six rebounds, four assists, uh, and six turnovers. Just just a lot of mental gaffes, like poorly, uh, you know, p- just poorly placed passes, poor decisions. And, um, <clears throat> Je- I mean, Jesse, you know me more than a lot of people do on, on Sixers Twitter. And, and I've always been, like, very hard on Ben because I feel like, at, like, when it comes to our best players, it seems like people are harder on Embiid than they are of Ben. Um, because we've accepted what Ben Simmons is, but we expect more out of Joel Embiid, and I don't really get that. It's the same with like Carson Wentz. We all want him to be very good. That's why we're so critical of him. It's same. It's the same with other guys on other other teams here. Like Bryce Harper in his first season wasn't great. We wanted him to be good, and, and it just didn't turn out that way. So, uh, getting back to Simmons, it's just like I said this the preseason, but the additions the Sixers made were going to mask some of his offensive flaws to a point. Now, obviously, you hope to have Joel Embiid uh, in the majority of the games, especially in the playoffs, but tonight really showed that Ben's lack of progression in any aspect of his offensive game since his rookie year is a bigger issue than than people realize. And yes, I know it's only game three, but I, I want to bring it up because this has been a thing that's been a problem for longer than three games during this season. Like in the half court, he is essentially a non-factor on offense he brings the ball up and passes it and that's really it like I just I don't really know what else to say I love Ben Simmons but you you hope when you have two all-star caliber caliber players uh that the other one is able to to hold a little bit against the Cleveland Cavaliers but it just looked like he was he, he, you know, last year how they kind of looked down to teams and played down to it. Looks like he played down to the Cavaliers. So I'm interested to to, to know your impressions on him so far. I know it's only three games, but I, I guess I, I'm just very disappointed that we've again not seen any progression in his offensive game. I mean, I don't entirely agree. Um, I, I, you talk about the Twitter thing. I think it's the opposite. I think Ben gets all the criticism and Joel gets almost none. That's maybe just different perspective. Um, offensively, I agree he hasn't improved the way we'd hope. I do think in these three games under Doc Rivers, we've seen him with a bit more of an attacking mindset. I think back to the first game when once he started attacking, everything started to fall into place for the team. Um, and, you know, going to the line eight times against the Knicks, seven times tonight, he's clearly making an effort to get to the rim and get to the line. I also agree that he had a lot of moments tonight where he should have just went to the rim and went up with the ball and at the last minute would decide to try to pass out to someone and end up turning it over. Um, And, I mean, I think that might just be a confidence thing, and I think Doc Rivers is going to get him out of that. I think this is going to be the year where we see Ben just driving to the hoop with reckless abandon, um, which we've all kind of been waiting to see. I know we say, like, aggressive Ben comically, but... I mean, that's what the team that's that's what he needs to kind of unlock him becoming a superstar and not just a star. Yeah, I know. I know I've noticed that in in situations where he becomes aggressive, he then uh, sometimes cannot judge his own power, I guess, because I feel like over the first uh, three games of the season, he's been called for at least a handful of charge calls. So I feel like. 
when it comes to his decision making, whether he's going to pass it out or actually go up with the basket, like go up to the hoop and, and draw a foul or, or try to make a shot there. I, I want him to go up and try to make the shot every time because I feel like seven times out of 10, he's going to get fouled. Yeah, and even the last two games, what was he? He was six of eight and five of seven. Like, that's an improvement. Yeah. Um. So, like, clearly he's getting better at the foul line, and I think he's starting to trust himself if he goes to the foul line. And we've heard Doc say that that's something he wants Ben to do. And Ben, you read the Jackie McMullen quote the other day that Ben's responding well to that philosophy. So, like I said, I think there was a lot of moments – especially in the first half where Ben should have just went to the hoop instead of trying to involve teammates. And I think the more Doc breaks him out of that, the more we're going to see Ben kind of ascend a little bit and become more of a threat to teams. And the jumper won't matter as much if he just commits to going to the rim that way. Um, Where right now teams can kind of, let him attack the rim because they're not convinced he's going to go all the way. Right. And he's going to stop in the paint and try to dish out somewhere. And then, you know, the things like that. And I think Doc is totally right when he says, um, what did he say to Ben? That, you know, Jimmy Butler dominated the playoffs without his three-point shot. Like, that's true. I mean, Jimmy Butler still had a great mid-range game. But it's the the sentiments there that, you know, Two points is two points. Getting to the foul line is still a way to score. And I think Doc's trying to instill that in Ben, and I think he's succeeding. Um, but it's not going to be an immediate success. It's going to take time to get Ben adjusted to it. And I think tonight was a very good example of the growing pains of that. But I am still optimistic of where Ben's heading this season. Yeah, I guess I'm overall just frustrated. I know that he's only 24. I'd love to see him like I like I've told a lot of people I don't even need a three point shot. I, I feel like a serviceable like free throw line jumper or baseline jumper could even open things up a little bit more for him with regard to keeping the defense guessing uh, something like that. And he he's such an elite defender. But I guess at this point with how the team is constructed and how much focus is on him and Embiid. Um, I just wonder if his defense is, is really enough for what they need to, to get over whatever hump they need to get over uh, <clears throat> to get to the next level in the playoffs. And, and that's, uh, that's something that we'll have to see uh, moving forward. And you mentioned, to your point about Doc, I think that he's really working with Ben on a lot of different things, and it's going to be a progression. Uh, Dwight Howard has, has talked uh, very highly about Ben and Ben about Dwight, about how uh, he's being pushed by them, and it seems like he, he has guys that are pushing him, which, which might be uh, very different from Brett Brown, who uh, you know said to the media that he'd like Ben to shoot threes, but Ben never addressed that and kind of did his own thing anyway, so maybe that accountability... And everything from Doc Rivers and Dwight Howard is making Ben want to become the best version of himself that he can. And we'll, we'll be able to see that progress over the season. And I believe that it will happen. It's just frustrating to see the same shit um, year after year after expecting to see improvement like we've seen in guys like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or, or even, or even Markel Fultz. Like it's, 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 um, you know, Markel Fultz goes through this whole thoracic outlet syndrome 
you know, through three games, he's averaging almost like 20 points a game. He was 10 for 11 from the line tonight, scored 26 points. He was averaging 18 points going into tonight's game and scored 26 uh, in a come-behind win for them against the Wizards. So uh, I just want to see him become, like, uh, a great player. And maybe all the LeBron comparisons to him early in his career are flawing me of, like, what he's good at, but I feel like so much focus is put on what he's good at that people are forgetting that he is a flawed offensive player, and and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, mean, I just think for him to get to the best version of himself, he needs to commit to playing aggressively as um with you know playing a downhill game. And like I said, I think he's getting there, and I think Doc's going to make him get there. I, it's just like you're saying, it's going to be a progression. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, um, but I th- but I think there's clear signs of improvement in that area already. So that gives me reason to believe that it's going to continue trending upward. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I saw on Twitter tonight early on that I tried to pay a little bit of attention to in the second and third quarters when there were still the the starters and the regulars in there um, was that other than the pick and rolls being implemented, are we really seeing anything different from Doc Rivers' system yet? I know there was a point where Doc said, I really like some of the stuff that Brett ran. And you can still see a lot of like the dribble handoffs and everything like that. But I feel like there's still a lot of like the stagnant passing at the top of uh, the top of the arc between guys that wastes 10 to 12 seconds of the clock. And then they end up just passing it to Tobias for him to shoot like a contested mid-range two-pointer uh, with three seconds to shoot. Or or it's like Furkan shooting a buzzer shot clock, um, you know, as it hits zero. So... I'm curious to know what your observations have been early on about Doc's offense and if you think that it's been uh, a lot different from what we've seen in the past. I think it's been a little different. I think there's been a little more activity off the ball. Um, when Shake and Tyrese Max get in the game, there's a lot more activity of guys without the ball. Um, but overall, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, you, you we wanted to see something I, I mean, not even that. We kind of wanted to see what we saw from the J.J. Redick, Robert Covington era Sixers. Like, that's the roster we're kind of built for right now, which is, I believe, that's a great roster. So I think that's kind of the offense we can expect because that offense is proven to work. Um, but I think the pieces that are there now are better defensively and give the Sixers a better overall roster. Like, I don't know. I, I don't hate that they're running some of the same concepts because we've seen that those concepts work. But I do agree that they need a little more, more variety than they had under Brett. Yeah. And I think, again, like I mentioned earlier, Seth Curry is not J.J. Redick. So I don't think the same dribble handoff game that we saw with Joel and J.J. is going to work. Um, I do like the number of pick and rolls that seemed to be effective, at least through the first two games, but it just seemed very clunky against the Cavaliers. And, and again, with the 21 turnovers, it just seemed very, very disorganized, as you mentioned earlier with the starting unit, especially. So the Sixers uh, have Monday off and then they host the Raptors on Tuesday and then their final game in the year of 2020 will be the 31st against the th- currently 3 and 0 Orlando Magic. 
Uh, so those are the two upcoming games. We'll probably have another pod for you on Thursday or Friday. Uh, some other things from around the league. I'm not sure. Uh, they lost to the Hornets tonight, rallied uh, from being down uh, by 15 or 16 points. But a lot of people expected the Nets to come out a little bit slow. But it looks like Kyrie and KD like have really not skipped a beat. They beat the Wizards. They beat uh, Boston on Christmas and that was like a it was a convincing win like convincing win uh so I picked Nets first when we did our Eastern Conference picks I think you had them third or fourth um yeah I'm regretting that because they look like they're going to be a serious problem this year I think what a lot of people are forgetting is that Kevin Durant was cleared for basketball activity during the playoffs last season in the bubble but he just like they didn't want to chance anything like he's He's probably not going to play yeah. every single back-to-back, but I feel like a lot of people were expecting him to play maybe like 40 to 45 games out of the 72, but I feel like he's going to end up pay- playing 55 to 60 of them. And Kyrie just looks unreal. Unreal. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. so good. He's really weird, but he's so good. I think, again, they were down by 15, and I think he ripped off like 10 or 12 straight points. It's ridiculous. Um. Well, yeah, I mentioned earlier the Bucks lost to the Knicks. They're one and two now. They lost to Boston at the buzzer and they beat the Warriors. Uh, any thoughts on the early season Bucks? Um, I mean, I wasn't too impressed by the Bucks last year, and I don't know if they've gotten any better. So yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I love Drew Holiday, but they don't seem to be really. They want to play through Giannis so much that it kind of negates what Drew brings to the table. And I guess Eric Bledsoe kind of ran into the same problem there. I mean, I I understand the appeal of Giannis, but I don't think he's as good as he's been made out to be yet. I think he's still one of the best players in the NBA. I'm not saying that. But he's made out to be like a demigod, and I still think there's a lot of holes in his game that teams can exploit and, frankly, are exploiting. Um, yeah. So one of the teams that they have beat are the Warriors. Uh, they were the, somebody that we, the both only forgot. team they've beaten. Yeah. The only the team that, uh, that they have beaten the Warriors, the Warriors now one and two after beating the Chicago Bulls by one point tonight, uh, it looked like they were going to lose for a while, but, um, outscored Chicago by four by five in the final quarter to win it. Uh, one and two, this was one of the things that you and I talked about during our prediction podcast for the season. Uh, both of, I left the Warriors off of the top eight just because I didn't think they were good enough with, uh, with Steph Curry just by himself, especially with Andrew Wiggins, who sucks, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., who is not great. And he went three for 16 tonight against the Bulls. Uh, Wiseman looks pretty good. But um, I, I'm curious to know, after seeing Kyrie and KD, if you have any differing thoughts on whether you believe Steph Curry is still the kind of player that can bring a team of, I mean, I, I don't want to go as far as to say as scrubs, but do you think that he can honestly bring this team with Wiggins, Ubre, Wiseman to a playoff spot in the West? Well, Draymond's still not back either, right? Right, yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to say incomplete until Draymond's back. Hmm. 
Um, with the roster currently as is, definitely not. And I don't think that's his fault. Um, I think Steph's still still showing that he's Steph. But when you have like his game was never defense, and for him to have really no defensive stoppers out there with him, it really leaves the Warriors open to be just abused. And that's kind of what's happening right now. And they're playing catch up every night. Um, again, another team with a lot of pieces that haven't played together before. They could get another um, lottery pick this year, too. Yeah. And I, I personally, I love Kelly Oubre, but I don't think he's a fit for Steve Kerr's system. No. Like, Kelly Oubre is a great transition player. He's a great energy player, a great guy to have come off the bench and, like, like a Marcus Smart with better offensive ability, mm-hmm. I would describe him as. Um, but that's not how the Warriors are going to use him. And I think that's kind of going to be the issue with him there. Right. Like it's, it's just, I think they're the pieces they have don't necessarily fit together and they don't complement each, each other as well as the past Warriors teams have, even like pre KD. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I love, I love Steph Curry. Um, I mean, he's, he's more or less like changed the modern NBA to, valuing the three-point shot more than it was like before the Warriors dynasty when it was I feel like he's helped shape uh, the modern NBA by the way he plays the game and uh, he's certainly a phenomenal player but again you you look at the LeBrons even like the James Hardens and I feel like he's not at that level so I don't know who what level I would put him on in that second tier below like a, a LeBron I don't know if I'd put it like AD in the level with LeBron, but I'm talking like LeBron, maybe Giannis, James Harden um, in in that level. So it would be interesting to see what, what the Warriors do the rest of the season once they they have so many new pieces from last season and this season. And with Draymond still uh, on the bench, uh, healing his injuries, uh, not not the full picture quite yet for that one. The last thing that I had, uh, James Harden finally made his debut to the tune of 44 points and 17 assists. You are a big James Harden guy. You have been for quite some time. Um, I forget what your thoughts were when the reports came out of the Sixers reportedly putting Ben Simmons in some of the trade packages, which Daryl Morey uh, evidently shot down on Twitter. Uh, so where where are you right now in the trade for James Harden saga? Would you do it tonight? Would you do it tonight if if they called? Um, probably not. And where I was at before was when that report came out, I said it was probably Houston just posturing to try to draw more better or try to draw better offers out of the other teams that are actually negotiating. And I think that that theory was kind of backed up by Maury and Rivers, like so vehemently denying that they were offering Ben Simmons and doing like calling Ben Simmons and talking him down and like letting him know he's a priority and everything that came of that, I think kind of backs up. And even Maury himself said that's not coming from our camp. So, I mean, they could just be bullshitting us, but. You know, I think it was just a case of Houston trying to posture themselves to get a better return on Harden from whoever eventually does do a deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think 
I think the Sixers are kind of a non-starter right now for the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if they called tonight, I'd probably do it. After after watching highlights of James Harden's forty four points, I just I just can't like I just don't. Looking forward, like I, I hear a lot of the arguments with that, and I feel like, for better or for worse, a lot of people are emotionally attached to Ben, and I understand that. But I feel like, in this league, offense is is more of a priority than defense. Now, I don't think the argument of like who would who would like if you trade for Harden, how are you going to guard KD or Kyrie in in the playoffs? Like if you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it's just you have to be able to keep up with them as well. And I think that that's an equally valid point with that. And I think um you know, if Ben Simmons comes back and, and has like a really nice game double double, I'll probably go the other way on this. But I feel like tonight I, I would do it. It's I mean, the offense, the offensive upside with him and Embiid is just too. Too tempting to to want to turn down for me. I mean, I get that side of it and me being such a big Harden fan, like I lick my lips at the idea of him in a Sixers jersey. <laughs> You seem like a guy that would be okay either way. Like, if they don't do it, you're fine. If they do it, you're fine. Yeah, I guess that's a fair assessment. Um, I'm not, like, itching to get rid of Ben Simmons because I really love Ben Simmons, and I think he's got so much so much room to grow. Um, and I I'm, might be in the minority that thinks he's still going to reach that ceiling. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not rushing to trade Ben Simmons, I guess is the way to say it. Right. All right, well, that'll wrap up this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, again, the Sixers play Tuesday against Toronto, Thursday, New Year's Eve against the uh, Magic. So if we don't have a new pod for you on Thursday uh, because we're uh, celebrating New Year's Eve safely in our homes, uh, we will have one for you shortly after the next two or maybe three games. So thanks again for tuning in, uh, and we'll catch you next time on a new episode of Garbage Into Gold.